us come to God's word. I'm going to do a, a wee sort of exposition of God's word today. Just going to take a, a section of the word of God and just open it up for us and, and just find out what God's really saying to us as a church fellowship. It's got some important things to say. If you'll turn with me to First Thessalonians and chapter two. Beginning at verse 17, into chapter 3, and ending at verse 5 of chapter 3. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, right into chapter 3, and verses 1 to 5 of that chapter there. Sometimes it's good to do that kind of thing, just to come into a piece of scripture and find out what God is really saying to us. First Thessalonians chapter 2, and beginning at verse 17 of that chapter. But brothers, when you were torn away, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. But we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. In chapter 3, verse 1. And so when we could no longer, could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, and as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And I was afraid that in some way, the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. Lord, oh bless him, sure his word to our hearts. Let's just bow in a moment's prayer. Loving Father, we thank you that you have called us together for such a time as this. And we think of the things that trouble our own lives and the family situation, the work situation. We give over to you, Lord, the things that trouble us and that we find difficult to cope with. And we pray for those who may be ill at this time, Lord, and, and need your healing touch. We ask, loving God, that you would come alongside them with all your love and your mercy and your care, and you would minister into their hearts and lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you can do that. That you're the one who answers prayer. And we ask you to raise them up to health and strength again. We pray for those who are discouraged in their walk with you, those who are finding the spiritual life so difficult and so hard. Help them, Lord, to be rested in the Lord Jesus who said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord, we may take that invitation up and find rest for the struggles that we find in life today. We pray for those parts of the world that are having difficult times. We think of Haiti again and we ask loving God for the continuation of the rebuilding of that city and of these areas devastated by the earthquake. We thank you for the money that's going in there and it seems that there's more supplies coming in. 
And again we pray for the math and the work that they do in bringing the, the equipment in. We pray for Afghanistan. We pray for a peaceful solution to the problem there in that country. We pray for the safety of the soldiers, for wise counsel from these commanders. And we ask you, loving God, to help them to see the way ahead. And we thank you, Lord, for the church here, where you've given us this place in which to worship, as already has been prayed and thanked. And we ask you to minister to our needs today through the precious Word of God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, maybe I want to open at that section that we read today. I've got, I've got a problem, but more than one problem, but I've got one, one problem. And the problem started when my daughter Rosalind, uh, she contacted us, she was in Switzerland, and she contacted us to say, Dad, if you want to see the pictures that I've sent, you have to join Facebook. Well, very reluctantly, I joined Facebook. I wish I had never bothered. But I got the pictures that she had sent, because since then, I've got about 60 names on Facebook. I don't know what to do with them. I really don't know. I have never written on the wall. They've got all these folk expecting me there to, to know how I got out of bed in the morning and what I did on the day. And there's all this happening. And then not only that, but the, these folk on Facebook, they, they keep sending you wee notes that say, would you like to join us in this campaign or that campaign? I used to just get the odd email, which was fine. But I'm now getting all these messages messages from Facebook coming into email telling me I need to join their club or join their thing and I just I, I can't handle it sometimes and then I only learned how to text fairly recently <laughs> I, I got the text thing all wrong you know it says two I was trying to write the message where it says two and it wasn't working out all that well I just gave up and then I suddenly realised that two was actually for the address the number you're actually sending I've got that, I've handled that now I can now do the odd text message which you'll never get by the way I just do the very very odd I like to talk to people and when you come to the when you come to the scriptures here and the story of, of Paul with his church at Thessalonica if Paul had been alive today our contemporary, would he be into Facebook, or Twitter, or texting? I rather think he would like the face-to-face -face encounter, don't you? Paul was into the face-to-face -face encounter. And what we find here is this tremendous story of the church at Thessalonica. You find the story in Acts chapter 17. And when you go into Acts chapter 17, you find there that these Christians endured persecution right from the start. Right from the very beginning. Paul was only there a matter of a month or six weeks when they had to flee with Silas because of the terrible persecution that they faced. It was a difficult time. A very early church in the history of the New Testament churches. Galatians, Thessalonians were two of the earliest churches in Paul's ministry. And there he is, he's preaching the gospel and Jews are coming through for Christ and other Jews rose up against them and hunted them from the place and Paul just had to flee and when we come to this section here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from these verses onward we find he's really telling us what he feels 
about the church? How do you feel about the church? How do you feel about this church? And so if you look at that passage there in which you were reading there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 17. Look at verse 17 it says, We were torn away from you. And look how he describes the desire to be back with them again in verse 17. Out of our intense longing. We were torn away from you. Paul was really saying that we were sent out of the place before time as it were. We, we wanted to stay long, longer with you. We, we wanted to make sure you were established in the faith. But we were torn away from you. And we want to see you again out of this intense longing. You see, Paul was actually saying, I, I really valued being face to face with you. I really valued being with you. And there's such tremendous lessons here about how do you think about church? And church is people, of course. How do you think about being face to face with each other? This new fellowship had come about. And it was a new fellowship that had been born as it were. And, and Paul wants to go and find out, how's the baby doing? How's this baby church getting on? I don't know how many Christians have a relationship with the church, including myself, that gets anywhere near how Paul feels about this church. This was a new church. And perhaps you're saying, well, Paul, was, this is a different situation from our own church. It only had begun. And when new churches begin, everybody gets excited, don't they? Everybody gets really excited about new churches. And then as the church progresses year after year after year, people settle in. And sometimes, well, it doesn't matter if they're not there anymore. Well, it does matter. But the first point I want to make today, that despite all that's been happening, we have to admit that Paul had a heart for this church. A real heart for the Thessalonian church. There was just the possibility there would be those there who were wondering, where is Paul now? We know that he had to flee with Silas. He's gone off just now. But where is he? And Paul has to write to this church and tell them, I haven't forgotten you. You're out of sight. But I want to tell you, you're not out of mind. He wants to let them know how he feels about them. He hasn't been back since the time he was hunted at the place. And I want to ask you the question this morning. What does it take to have a heart for the church. Does it have to be new? Does it have to be just a, a few months old? What does it take to have a heart? Do we have this kind of love for the church that Christ had for his church? And, and somebody once said it, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then many Christians must really love the church because many of them are absent. Seriously, do you have a special relationship with the church that Christ died for, that Christ loves and gave himself for? Have you got a special relationship with the people of God? Do you love the church with all its faults and failings? Do you love that kind of church? Now when we're separated from the body of Christ, does your heart ache because you're not meeting with the believers and you've missed a Sunday or two and you say, oh, I, just, I want to be back together with them again. Does your heart ache when you're not with the believers? 
You see, Paul's relationship with this church was so different from ours. But I can still have a heart for the body of Christ. There was a reason why Paul was held back. Look at verse 18. He says, For we want to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped me. This is the second heading for this morning. The first one, he had a heart for the Thessalonian church. And the second one is his hindrances through Satan. Satan was active in what was happening there in Thessalonica. I don't know how many people would put down this lack of face-to-face contact with the church at Thessalonica as demonic. If you were reading Acts chapter 17 about how the church started, there were these terrible men, there were these Jewish men that hunted them out. Would you see that as demonic? Some people would say, well, demonic means there's something queer happening and, and people are shouting out all sorts of things and, and there's all that kind of thing going on. But Paul looks back and says, that was the devil. That was satanic. And these hindrances of Satan have been the very things that have been holding me back. I don't know how many would think of the work of Satan in the church of Christ today. And and Satan is very much at work. And holding back the work of the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about Satan as the accuser of the brethren. I'm sure he's the accuser of the Baptists as well as the brethren. He's the accuser of the brothers in Christ. The the accuser of Christians. And what is happening here is that Paul recognises the work of the enemy for his quick retreat from the church and his inability to return. And we forget what the goals of Satan really are. What are the goals of Satan? He wants to dethrone God and enthrone self in your heart and mind. He wants to take God out of the very centre of our being and put self there. He wants to degrade or to slander God's character. He wants to dominate man and destroy God's purposes in your life, in my life, in this church of Christ. That's what the enemy wants to do. And Paul recognises that. As I said before, if you go back to Acts chapter 17, you wouldn't think it was satanic or, or demonic what was happening there. But Paul ascribes that to Satan. And that's why we find there in Ephesians chapter 6, 12 to 13, that we need to have the armour of God. It says in Ephesians 6, 12 to 13, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, And after you have done everything to stand. Can I ask you this morning, have you got your armour on? For the devil is ever active in the church of Christ today. He's seeking to pull down what has been built up. He's seeking to tear apart what God has brought together. But what's so comforting here in 1 Thessalonians 2 is that while Paul was hindered from returning, he continued to have a ministry of the Word of God. And Paul is saying that the the Word of God is not bound. There still is a, a ministry that I can exercise here. Although he may be hindered, the Word of God was not bound or hindered. He still has this ministry. 
The Lord was in control. Always say there's two things the devil can't do. He cannot prevent the spread of the gospel throughout the world. And the second thing he can't do is change the destiny of the believer. Praise the name of the Lord. He can't hinder the spread of the gospel. And he can't change the destiny of the believer. And so we find Paul's teaching there of the armour of God in Ephesians 6. Listen to it there in Ephesians 6, 18-22. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me and whenever I open my mouth words may be given me so I will, fe- I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I understand you've been learning a good bit about prayer recently last Wednesday and, and through Hazel and other people talking about prayer and here it is again here it is again there's no other way of coming against the enemy's activity in the Christian church except through prayer led by the Spirit of God We need to be before the throne of God in prayer. Have you ever noticed that the most difficult area to maintain in your Christian life is your prayer life? You ever noticed that? The most difficult area to maintain is your prayer life. Then you will understand why Paul follows the teaching on the armour of God with a need for the Spirit-inspired prayer. Paul's heart for the church... Paul's hindrances by Satan. And we come to the third point. I want you to see Paul's hope for these believers. Why is Paul so keen to connect with this church? Is it just because he started the church? Is it just because they had to run and flee from the church after a mission of only about six weeks? Why is Paul so keen to connect with this church? You'll find the answer there in verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. What I want you to see here is that Paul is not looking at this church and its present circumstances only, but he's seeing them in the light of the return of Jesus Christ. And he's saying when Jesus comes, what's going to be our glory? It's going to be you. When you stand before the Lord, commended before him, that's a fitting reward. That will be our glory. And we're doing this not only in the light of the present circumstances, but we're doing this in the light of eternity, in the light of the coming again of Christ. Do you ever live like that? Do you ever come into church and say, we're doing this not only for the present, that we might be encouraged in our faith, but in the light of eternity, in the light of the return of Christ. That was certainly true here in this church to the Thessalonica. Paul sees these believers not simply as they are when he wrote the letter, with their need of further teaching and encouragement. He and his associates saw them as their hope, their joy, their crown, in which to glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes. And what Paul is really saying here is, surely those to whom believers minister will become their glory and their joy. When Jesus comes again. That's a tremendous thought. That when we minister to each other. 
into people's lives. They become our joy, our glory, our crown when the Lord Jesus comes again. How much of our work for the Lord is done in the light of his coming again? How much of it is done? There was a man who was so concerned about the Lord's coming again, he used to sleep with his trousers next to his bed. Just in case the Lord came through the night. But you know, I don't know what trousers would be like in heaven. <laughs> he was just so keen on the return of the Lord. We need to learn to live in the present. In the light of the future. Live in the present. In the light of the future. And allow that to govern our attitudes and actions. For Paul, the return of Christ, it wasn't some kind of theological idea to be kept in your mind. It was something to live by that dynamically changed his life and attitude. It wasn't a theological thing to get into a discussion about. It was something to live by dynamically in his life. Paul knew the Lord would return and award him for all the believers for faithful service. And it's tremendously significant that the last book of the Bible, Revelation, the last chapter, in chapter 22, 12 of Revelation said, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. He's coming, folks. He's coming again. Paul's heart for the church. Do you love the church like that? I was torn away from you. I have this really an intense desire to be with you again. But I've been hindered by Satan. His heart for the church. Do you love the church like that? Paul's hindrances by Satan. Do you have your armour on because the devil is ever active against the church of Christ? Against the believers. And Paul's hope for the believers. Do you love his appearing? Do you love his appearing? Let's come to the last point. Then you'll take it into 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 1 to 5. Paul's help through Timothy. You see Paul tried several times to get back to the Thessalonica. But he was hindered by the enemy so he tells us. And so he sent a helper in Timothy. And, and Timothy has two qualifications. He was a brother in Christ it says. And also God's fellow worker. And Paul recognised that these believers in Thessalonica needed to be strengthened. Needed to be encouraged in their faith. And again if he couldn't come face to face then Timothy couldn't. He was anxious that no one in the fellowship would be unsettled by these trials. As he says there in verse 8. And Paul's great concern for them is a concern for their faith. Paul says to them, I'm concerned about your faith. I'm really concerned about your faith. You find in verse 2 of chapter 3. I want you to send them to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. I sent to find out about your faith. And he also has this concern that Satan would have a foothold to destroy the work already done by the apostles and the associates. Look at verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. You see, Paul's concerned. That through the enemy they're going to lose ground spiritually. He's concerned about their faith. 
I think of the folks in church here who have been concerned about each other. That's a lovely thing. When I was ill for about a year or so, and I used to get phone calls, folks here as well, and in Kirky Baptist, and get phone calls, and get we get well cards, and, and folk from Wester Hills all over the place were showing that concern. And the same is true here, that when we are ill, or when we're bereaved, there's this upsurge of concern, and, and people get alongside us, and, and they seek to be with us in times like that. What about times when we're not ill? Am I not bereaved? Am I really struggling with the faith? And what Paul is really saying here, I'm really concerned about your faith. Sometimes when I started off in the ministry in Alexandria, there would be some young person that would be concerned about. I was just before I got up to preach, I would sit in the pew with him, and I put my hand on his shoulder and said, "John, I'm concerned about you." Do you think I should be? And more often than not, he would turn and say, Pastor, things are not going well spiritually. And here's Paul saying, I'm really concerned about your faith. And that's true of the Christian church. We need to have a concern for the Christian's faith, for how we're standing in the Lord. Paul says, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to find about your faith. As I was preparing this message, I, I began to think about some of the things that we need to do in response to this teaching. I think God wants to raise up more Timothys, Mr. Timothys and Mrs. Timothys and just folk that are concerned for each other's faith. Concerned how we're getting on spiritually. Because the tempter, Paul says here, is ever active, seeking to destroy the work that already has been started. I meet people who are like Timothy, who got alongside and said, I'm sending Timothy because I'm concerned about your faith. And God gave me three statements I think we need to make. And the three statements are these, I value your presence. And the second statement, I will help you face your trials. And thirdly, I'll uphold you when you fall. I think Christians need to make that kind of statement. That God wants to raise up people who are conscious of the struggles that other folk have in the church. Who are going through all kinds of trials. To be able to say, I value your presence. I will help you face your trials. I'll uphold you when you fall. You see, Paul's heart for the church. Paul's hindrances by Satan. Paul's hope for the believers. And Paul's help through Timothy. And I believe God wants to do that for this church. Do you love the church? Have you got your armour on? Are you living in the light of his return? Will you help each other to grow in the faith? Will you notice when I'm struggling? Will we notice when each other's struggling? And the trials that we face. And the enemy can take these trials and pull us down. And pull the church down. Let's stand, shall we? And if you feel...
if you feel this is from the Lord for you, perhaps you'd like to repeat these three statements after me. Just repeat them. If you feel this is from the Lord for you, I value your presence. Let's say that I value your presence. I will help you face your trials. I will help you face your trials. I will uphold you when you fall. I will uphold you when you fall. I want to thank you, Lord, for the word of God to our hearts today. I thank you for this church that meant so much to the Apostle Paul, who had to flee from it so early on in its existence. And yet he longed to be back with them. Lord, help us long to be here. To long to be among God's people. And to look out for each other. To establish and encourage each other in our faith. We give you thanks and praise. For your tremendous word. Make it real and alive and applicable to every part here today and to this church. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.